I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're talking about presidential nominating conventions. So grab your delegate. And let's get civical. I faked it. I breathed it in. (laughs) Hi. Hello. (laughs) It's us again. (laughs) Because I get nervous. I get nervous to say hi to people who are not in the room physically. I know. It feels very awkward. Yes. Um, But hello, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Walentowski. Today on the podcast, we have (laughs) a super special guest, Danny Rocco, who is a playwright and a very good friend of Arden and I's. He wrote a play called Convention that's, that's going right. up this summer in June at the Irondale Theater. And so we thought, why don't we talk about, you guessed it, conventions. conventions. What if I was like, and we're going to talk about, you guessed it, taxes. <laughs> <laughs> you would have seen the blood drain from my face. So we're going to talk about political conventions today, which I feel very 
excited I'm to talk about. I'm literally jumping out of my seat right now there to talk about conventions. You are. <laughs> Danny, sit down. Sit down. I'm, in the, I'm on the ceiling. Well, it's, there's political conventions are so weird to me. Yeah, there I they are. It. Yeah. Because like... It's like a kindergarten way to solve a problem. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I, let's go to this year's or next year's convention and just be like, guys, your children... This is childish. What we're doing? (laughs) Do not approve. But um, but we're gonna start with the basics, which is what happens at a national political convention. And I'll tell you right now, this is this is the area, this is the arena where presidential candidates are selected by a group of delegates from each state. So it's like Texas shows up, Florida shows up, Wyoming shows up, and they're like, "We want Lizzie Stewart," and that's how. Lizzie Stewart becomes president. Lizzie Stewart becomes yeah. president. Yeah. Just putting that into the space, you know? And so, <laughs> <laughs> but, at, but at the actual convention, each of like the popular candidates, all the candidates that are potentially on the ballot, they yeah. give mm-hmm. speeches. So it can take a very long time. Like four days. Which is just. It's crazy. So many. It's, it's a lot of days. Yeah. That's a lot of. Can you imagine everybody like the Holiday Inn and just having to like go, you know, every day having to go from the Holiday Inn, like take the shuttle over to the convention center, convention center in, you know, Wichita, like or wherever they go. (laughs) (laughs) So every so at each convention there you you hear a series of speeches from the candidates and the delegates vote state by literal state. So it's like number one, number two, number two. Number five, and Alabama. all the way to 50. Mm-hmm. And then the first candidate to receive a present majority. It says preset majority number. Yeah. <laughs> so one of these things that I have problems with is uh, reading. Oh, and I know. I listen to the podcast. <laughs> I, have, I have dyslexia. Preset. Okay, so the first candidate to receive a preset majority number of delegate votes will become the party's presidential candidate. Right. And the Republicans have one, and the Democrats have one. Yeah. Right. A little history of political conventions. The first ever political convention was, you guessed it, the Anti-Masonic Party. Oh, my God. They were crazy. 1831. Excellent year for me, personally. (laughs) It was sort of a banner year. Uh, Yeah, the Anti-Masonic Party like started it all and they love. were super weird and <laughs> led by John Adams. I think yes. John yeah. Quincy. John Quincy Adams. That's John right. Quincy's. J- JQA who never got a hug. Yeah. Love him very much. <laughs> but yeah, guys, if you are wanting to know more about that, why don't you just roll on down to our first episode, the history of political parties? Yeah. We do touch on these guys. Yes, we do. So yeah, they gave us the first ever political convention. Mm-hmm. And then the first Democratic convention was one year later in 1832. They nominated Andrew Jackson. And <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. So sorry. Um, really, really sorry. Not my choice. Okay. The um, the first modern Republican Party. So when it, you know, because it went through several yeah, phases. Yeah, yeah. And Democratic, Republican. Then right. there was the Whigs. And now we're at, it's just Republican. Right. It's right. just Madonna. The Party of Lincoln. The Party of Lincoln. The right. first modern Republican convention was in 1852. So 20 years after the first Democratic convention. And they nominated somebody called John Fremont. <laughs> Work. <laughs> Good, good, yes, for John. good for John. Good for John. John did not Fry. win. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't steal it. And that's that's sort of where we started. Yeah. So conventions and Danny, you should, as a writer of convention, you should feel free to chime in at any time if you would like. Yeah, We're going to talk about rules. 
Oh, yes. Rules of the convention. So each party sets their own rules. We're going to talk about rules as they exist now in our modern times because they have changed over the years. Which is good. I like that, you know. Yeah. Well, I also love like the way that you described a convention is the way a convention is supposed. Like that's what's supposed to happen. But like that's not what but happens. But that's not what happens no, of now because not. it's basically just like an anointing ceremony. Yeah. Ugh. It's already been chosen it's already been by the primaries. By the primaries and the caucuses. Yeah. So let's talk about the Democrats first. Good. Great. <laughs> I just know. <laughs> Excellent. I'm familiar with them, so I'm going to start with my. Because they have different rules. They do have different rules. Yeah, yeah, the parties have different rules. They run their own ships differently. The Democrats award their delegates proportionally to the number of candidates, the number of votes a candidate received in the state's primary or caucus. So, like, if we're all running in Iowa, which we are, which we are. <laughs> Always. Always. We're perpetually running. <laughs> just continually Every running in year, Iowa. It's just lap like, oh, lap. it's that time of year again. It's time to go to <laughs> Iowa. Um, which it honestly feels is the case now. It I know. Feels I'm like, like we're talking about Iowa again? I know. Sorry, but Iowa. But they get one year off. Yeah. <laughs> from like not having people in their state. Yeah. So if we're all running in Iowa and like, let's say it's 20 votes. I don't know how many votes. It is, but let's say it's 20 votes and Lizzie gets eight and danny gets eight and i get what's that math four Four. then that's how we would get our like we would get the number of delegates apportioned to us in the convention this is the thing i'm confused about is it that they are proportional to the amount of votes overall like the votes cast for all the candidates or is it just like the votes like the the proportion to the amount of democratic votes cast just the democratic votes cast oh okay so like of all the democratic candidates that are running in because oh because it's the primary yeah. yeah duh yeah 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 work okay yeah, yeah. Cool. look <laughs> keep Listen, up this Danny. Is why we're here. This <laughs> right is why we're here we, right we are high intellectuals ask, over here ask I all the questions <laughs> okay yeah. new, next rule yeah next rule the democrats do not have any winner take all states okay but why no wait no never mind that's a bad thing it's a bad thing Sorry. the republicans have it and we're gonna i'm gonna talk about it it's super interesting because i didn't realize really how kind cool. of fucked up their system is it's really messed yeah. that's so surprising they i know really have it kind of together in a way that I think is sort of beautiful and nuanced and I'm kind right. of like look to them as like a role model for how I want to like eventually craft my life and sort of like as like I just want to use them as a mirror <laughs> to reflect upon me you know what I mean I know always yeah well don't do that they're okay. messed great love um, <laughs> love so they the Democrats have no winner take all states candidates who receive less than 15% of the vote are awarded no delegates that's Which so is sad I feel like they could get one I just feel like, I mean, just because I'm a candidate who would get less than 15% of the vote, like, give me a a complimentary delegate, you know what I mean? (laughs) With my hotel stay, like, if you stay at the Holiday Inn Express, you get one delegate. (laughs) But then what happens to the other delegate? So it's like, if you you get less than 15, then the other, but you still are contributing to the overall percentage, then you're then you just get swallowed up into somebody else's. Yeah, the 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 votes who would go to you, the delegates who would go to you, go to the other candidates. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And this helps to weed out weekly performing candidates who like, you know, it's it's time. It, you know, when it's So this is going to happen a lot in 2020. Oh, totally. Yes. Poor K, there are or, I mean, yeah. 40,000 candidates. 40,000 candidates. There are approximately 40,000 <laughs> candidates running for the Democratic nomination. Right, 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 what, right. right. What, I think will be interesting is like as like as the primaries start, how many people drop out? How many people a drop out? But then also how many people stay in the race 
like if if there are enough people still left when the primary and caucuses start that if nobody gets like what if a lot of people get near 15 or below? Do you know what I mean? Like totally. what if it's so split what that nobody like 15, gets 15 15 15 yeah. everybody has 15% yeah. of the vote? Yeah. yeah. It might happen. Then we're going to have Tom a Perez lot is going to have a some... very long convention. Yep, and Tom Perez is going to have to look at that as the head of the DNC. Tom, Tommy, yes. call us. I don't at know what we're we'll talking about, Rocco. but just call me. Just because, you know, when you split when you have a lot of people, you can lay the groundwork for a contested convention with multiple people getting large percentages of the vote. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. In moments. In moments. After the 26... Okay, so I'm sure you guys remember during the 2016 election, there was a out. big brouhaha. <laughs> I drank it away. It's gone. It's gone from It's memory. gone. It's in my liver. The There was a big brouhaha over the superdelegates. Yes. There are three ways that you can become a superdelegate. One is being an elected official to public office if you're a Democrat. The second is to be one of the 438 members of the Democratic National Committee. As like a loyal party activist and power broker. Mm-hmm. Well, I which I am. Which you are. Yes. Yep. Yes. And then the third and the third way to become a superdelegate is you become one for life, having served as president, vice president, DNC chair, or democratic leader in either chamber of the US Congress. Love. Yep. Great. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if you are one of those things, if that was ever your job, if you were ever the president of the United States, you're a superdelegate for life. Love. So what happened in 2016 was that a lot of the superdelegates, there was a perception thing around the superdelegates and who they were going to go for, either Bernie or Hillary. And because Hillary was a Democrat and Bernie is an independent, Bernie is an independent that Hillary was basically the establishment candidate, you know, was the one who was going to be the nominee. But the superdelegates pledged their loyalty to Hillary. Yes. I mean, the superdelegates um, can switch. They can go back and forth. They can pledge to somebody and then they can vote for whoever, vote for whoever right. they want. Yeah. But because a lot of them were for Hillary, there was this appearance of like, she is the establishment, establishment no nominee. Yeah. Challenge. Yeah. yeah. So that, which is problematic. And so that's why, like, I, I understand the argument behind... Like why his supporters were angry mm-hmm. because it's the appearance of like not having a a fair process. Totally, yeah. Because there really are these, there's just these two political parties. Yeah, and you have if, to get one of them. You have to get one of them. Yeah, yeah. And I at least but, it seems like Bernie was like trying to reestablish what the Democratic Party whose values could be totally. or yeah. were. Totally. I mean, so, yeah, we'll see how it happens again with this election. You well, know, they've changed the rules. Love. And that's what I was about to bring up. But you you say it. No. You, you say it. <laughs> the DNC members voted on a proposal to take away the role of elected officials and other party dignitaries and selecting a nominee at the Democratic Convention, leaving it up to just the delegates who were selected in primaries and caucuses, unless there's a deadlocked ballot. Great. So, I like that. Yeah, I'm so that. right, like to me, that kind of solves some of a lot of the problem. Yeah, of like the establishment just like getting in more of the establishment and they're back in the system. You right, know? gives a mm-hmm. non-establishment person yeah. like Bernie Sanders a better chance of like, you know, getting a nomination. Right, there are still super delegate, but they don't function the same. So the reforms basically they can they can still vote, but they don't get to vote till the second ballot. Right. So if somebody wins the election at the convention outright with just the delegates right. who are selected when we the voters go to vote in our primary or caucuses, mm-hmm. if they if the candidate if there's a candidate that wins outright with just the regular delegates, then the super delegates don't they do don't, anything. Yeah. Right. But if there's 
if it's deadlocked at like 1200 and 1200 whatever the numbers are then the super delegates would get to vote yeah so basically they're kind of defunct i mean like there's they're it, there's no yeah they're tiebreakers but this is the thing about the conventions today that confuses me is because doesn't like now that basically the delegates are for the most part pledged to the people to the votes that they won in the primaries would there be a second ballot at a convention yes right would there be because they're pledged to them so we can we can talk about that because there actually are different types of delegates we're going to talk about let's put it in context in new york state so we're going to talk about pledged at large and unpledged delegates and I know who are the super delegates? Delegates yeah, at yeah, large, yeah, yeah. yeah. FBI's most wanted yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at large delegates. But there are people who are not pledged, and then different states deal with their delegates differently as well. So I forget which state it is. If you don't vote for the person that you've said you're going to vote for, it's a crime. Yeah, as a delegate. So like, it's pretty cool. It's pre- yeah, it's really interesting. So it's I mean the way that people the way that different states handle their delegate responsibilities is also different so which i districts too like it gets so complicated so complicated and so nuanced you know i hate things that are done (laughs) state by state i love uniformity i feel like let's get a cohesive look together communist thank you i know right (laughs) and that is why i'm the uh part of the communist party <laughs> no, it's just it's, it's so it's so silly because you're just like, well, over here in Georgia they do this, and then over here in Tennessee it's this, and yeah. it's like just punch me in the throat. <laughs> I'm stressed. So there's super delegates, delegates, mm-hmm. and delegates at large. Oh wait, no, that's what super and non pledged yeah. delegates. So yeah. the non pledged delegates, how are they awarded? They are are like determined. How many? It's it's per state. That it's determined. Yeah, it's how per many... state. We were wrong. The unpledged delegates are the super delegates. <gasps> right. Yeah. That's right, because they can choose whoever they, can choose they whoever want they to choose for. for. Yeah. So it's pledged delegates, super delegates, and uh, at-large delegates. At-large large delegates. Yeah. And just so we're clear, we're talking about New York State delegates only, because as we've said, every state does it differently. Yes. So the pledged delegates have and this is again just for democrats the pledged delegates have promised to support a particular candidate and they filed paperwork to become a delegate still unclear like what that form is look we'll we'll look it up if somebody if somebody has the form fax it over to me thank you (laughs) my god oh my god you should apply to become a delegate i know you should apply i would oh man can you imagine me at a convention i'd be like guys uh what are we doing uh i want to be it (laughs) Choose me. Choose me. me. They have filed paperwork to become a delegate and have accepted by the can and have been accepted by the candidate they've chosen to support. So like the candidate has vetted them as well. So like Kamala has to be like, yes, Lizzie, I accept you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How cool. Crazy. And their names are the names that appear on the ballot under beneath the names of the candidates. So So much like like the electoral college. Harris, Lizzie Stewart. Yeah. Wow. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Great. At-large candidates are selected by the state Democratic Party at the party convention in May and have promised to support a particular candidate and we have, and will be awarded proportionally to candidates based on the result of the primary. This is also how, like, we're talking specifically about how they award them in New York State now. This yeah. isn't, like, nationally. Yeah, because mm. we can't do it state by state. We simply can't. We do do it state by no, state. No, no, I'm saying we, as Lizzie and Arden and Danny, can't go oh, state no, no, by no, state no. and talk about and talk exhausting. About this yeah. is, so we're just focusing on New York. So in New York State, pledged at large and unpledged delegate. And then, like we said, the super delegates are the unpledged delegates, and they're free to bounce around. 
bouncy bounce. Yep. Love. And that all comes from Nigel Chihuahua at DNA Info. That was very helpful. That, great. Thank yep. you, Nigel. Mm-hmm. So basically, for the Democrats, the states have primary and caucuses around the country and the year leading up to the the general election for president. And then all of those votes are awarded proportionally per state mm-hmm. in various forms of like types of delegates. Right. <laughs> Depending on the state's Depending rules. on the state's rules and what kind of delegates they allow for. And then the GOP. Because that's just <laughs> the Dems. That was just the Dems. The GOP, and this is from the Washington Post. Heard of it. Heard of it. By Kevin Ermacher, Kevin Shaw, and Ted Melnick. Kevin, Kevin, and Ted. Kevin, Kevin, and Ted. Blessed. Okay. Top, okay. Their system is messed up, and I didn't realize how messed up it was because top performing top top performing candidates often get more delegates than their totals suggest that they should. So we're right. like the Democrats are like, okay, you got fifty, you got fifty percent, so you get half of the votes for the state, and then the next person got, you know, twenty five percent, you get that at like a quarter of the votes, yeah. and they award them proportionally. They're like sitting down with a piece of paper and a pencil, like doing the math. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay, Very let's just good. go over these numbers one more time <laughs> with the abacus. One more yeah. time with yeah. an abacus. <laughs> Make sure that they're all all right. The Dem- the Republicans don't do that. They're so just they're- like honestly, I'm gonna eyeball this. <laughs> you eight people. <laughs> Just okay. Where my arm is, everybody to the left of me is to this candidate. To the right of me is that candidate. Yeah. Go on. Go on. Go go forth. So they have some winner take all states. There's quite a few of them. There are eight. Oh god. It seems like a lot in a country of fifty states. It's it's te- a percentage. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> I. I'm with the Republicans on the math. I really am. I get it. You did grow up in Texas. I did. Look, yeah. my roots are showing. I'm sorry. Yeah, so there are eight states for the Republican convention that are winner take all. And those are Montana, Arizona, South Dakota, Nebraska, Ohio, New Jersey, Delaware, and Florida. So a winning candidate in a statewide vote gets all of the state's delegates, even if they have earned less than 50% of the vote. Yikes. They just have to win the majority. They have to be the... They have to be the person with the most. most yeah. Right. yeah. Other states operate under a winner-take-more scenario. <laughs> what? Fuck off. They're making up stuff now. They're just doing this to gaslight me. I know. Winner takes more. <laughs> what? Um, but not all. But, but not, not all. all. Right. Yeah. Just, just more. Just more. They get more. Yeah. So there are 10 states in total who do that. And these states reward winners, reward the, the winner of the state heavily. And some, the winner in each congressional district earns all three of that district's delegates. So, like, it kind of goes by... It's like a bonus. Yeah. It's like winner take all in that district. Yeah. So it's a little bit more nuanced than a winner take all of a state. Right. Some states have a proportional allotment with a winner take all trigger. I Okay, wait. <laughs> there are 12 <laughs> states that do that. A winner take all trigger? Are you fucking kidding me? Well, I don't understand what this could possibly mean, but I know, I know right? you're going to explain l- it to me. I literally never heard of this. So these states distribute delegates more proportionally, but candidates can walk away with many delegates if they earn over a certain threshold. So if like you earn over what? Like 40% of the vote, you automatically get a certain number of delegates? Yeah. If you get that, then you get, yeah, it's so stupid. But if you don't, I know, but then if they, (laughs) but then if they don't get, I mean, it's easy to see how Trump won. Totally. Primary. With a winner take with all a winner takes more, a winner take some, a winner take maybe a little and a winner take all trigger. Right. Because like (laughs) there, 
there are only so like there are 18 states that have proportional allotment, which is what the Democrats do. Right. Like they just straight up do proportional allotment. The Republicans only have 18 states that do that. And they're based on the percentage of the vote. Often at the district level, two delegates are awarded to the winner and one to the second place finisher, shutting out somebody who came in like a close third, like a Rick Perry. Okay. <laughs> but only Rick. A, but only a quarter of the delegates are awarded this way. So full three quarters of their delegates are based on like are awarded to candidates a who, winner take or like in some, some kind amount. of winner like yeah. where it benefits the winner in a more, way that's not like disproportionately yeah. yeah yeah that's not an accurate proportional to the actual votes that right. are being cast right so just like clarifying yeah. why is that bad why is that a worse way of doing things like the winner take all simplifying the math than going painstakingly district by district state by state proportionally if you're setting the if you're a republican and you're winning a lot in these early winner take all or winner with a trigger like any of those states where like the winner benefits winner with a trigger winner with a trigger like winner with a trigger you know that just sets a tone for the rest of the election that the other people who are running in the primary just will never be able to catch up even if they're getting close you know Let's say it's 51%. Somebody wins in, you know, Ohio. Yeah. Somebody else, you know, the, the person who came in second place may have got, if it's a two-person race, may have gotten 49. 49. And they should be getting half of those votes, half of those delegates. Yeah. To take with them to the convention. But they're not. They're yeah. getting nothing. And the person who, you know, is winning in this, who won the state, gets everything. I mean, it's basically like the Electoral College. It is the Electoral yeah. College. It, 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 I think, can end up not being reflective of the actual votes. Yeah. And that, I think, is the, my biggest problem with the Electoral College, is that it should be reflective of how people, us, are voting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But th- what's interesting to me is that on the Democrat side, like, there's, there's that on the Republican side, but then on the Democrat side, there's this crazy math, but then there are these things in place, like the superdelegates, yeah. Yeah. that kind of, like, erase the math. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, they let's, can. let's do this, all this math. But then we have these things that are in place to ensure that, you know, the establishment stays. Do you think that's still the case now that they've changed the rules? Well, we'll see, I guess. We'll see. That's true. Because do you not know how it's going to turn out? Are you you not a soothsayer? (laughs) (laughs) My uh, powders and cards. Great. Perfect. Thank you. Let me know what you find. (laughs) Do pretty bop, bop, bop. (laughs) So let's talk about how delegates are chosen. We've talked a little bit about it in the beginning when we talked about Democrats how the Democrats in New York State select their delegates for a refresher, pledged at large and unpledged delegates. So let's talk about the GOP, how the GOP does it. Oh, Jop. You know? <laughs> goop. Goop. It is the goop of It is the goop parties. of political parties. That is incredibly true. Um, So in New York, because again, we're only focusing on New York, because I quite simply cannot go around to all 50 states and talk about how they e- individually do it. You don't want to ride circuit? No, I don't want to ride circuit. Sorry. Whoops. So in New York's Republican Party primary system, the delegates are chosen by party leaders in each congressional district. So call your local congressional representative and be like, who are you choosing? <laughs> Who are you supporting? Who's it gonna be? The state's Republican Party only includes pledged delegates. Delegate. Amazing. <laughs> Sorry. The, the state's Republican Party only includes pledged delegates. So yep. It's only people who are saying, I am voting for Lizzie Stewart. Yeah. Done. Period. End of sentence. There's no like, I'm going to just feel it out. Yeah. It's only I'm going to see what happens. No. 
They are named by party leaders after the primary. So we have the primary yep. and then they choose the delegates, yep. which we love. And then candidates are bound to vote for the candidate chosen by the primary. What? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I was about to make a scene and then I understood what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> you ever you ever read something and be like, wait, I'm mad. And then it's like, actually, no, I misunderstood. Okay, I misunderstood. Great. I am not angry. So in 2016, if we remember, I don't because I blacked it out. The Republican Party had 95 delegates in New York that year. 81 of them were determined based on congressional districts. 11 of them are at large delegates, which we've determined are the super delegates. No, no, that's not what we determined. We determined those are the ones who can do whatever they want. They can do whatever... Super delegates are only a Democratic. That's right. I knew that yeah. when I said it. Yeah. So the, yep. and in the Democratic side, the super delegates are the unpledged delegates. Yes. At large delegates are like they belong to no one they, district. They're just they're, they they're floaters. They're they floaters. floaters. They're randoms. That. Yep. So they so in New York, eighty one are pledged, eleven are at large, eleven are floating, and three are Republican National Convention members. Yeah. So higher ups. If you will. Yeah. And then the Democratic Party in New York in 2016 had 291 delegates. A lot of delegates. Mm -hmm. uh, 163 were pledged. 84 were at large. And 44 were superdelegates. Wow, that's a lot of superdelegates. Especially if you're if, at the election where they still had a lot of sway. Right. Right. Crazy. So let's get out of numbers because I'm going to... In my own life, if we keep talking about numbers. <laughs> and putting you please to sleep? explain to me how we've changed over time. Okay. Like, we've evolved. We revolved. What have we done? <laughs> we've literally turned in circles. We've, we've revolved a, around we've the door. We've taken a walk about the space. Yeah. <laughs> so the conventions were, and Danny, feel free to chime in. The conventions were established for to nominate the president and vice president and actually to create like a policy platform. That's where that kind of came into fashion. <laughs> They're like, Wait, it's about the issues. It's Bless about their the, hearts. Bless their hearts. Mm -hmm. Because prior to that, prior to the establishment of conventions, it used to be a lot of like, I mean, it still kind of is, but at least now it's more public. It used to be a lot of like backroom party deals. It's like politicians being like, we yeah. think it should be John or <laughs> we think it should be the goat like we think <laughs> and I then it's just the suddenly goat. the goat is like mm -hmm. the president because you know the people over here are like yeah there's i mean the five of us have already been president right. so why not so, the like, goat but billy goat gruff we're out of options <laughs> yeah so they they started doing conventions around what was it 1831 you said 1831 yes. anti-masonic party shout out to my as amps yep they were the first convention. Right? They were the, the first Masonic Party. political convention. Yeah, they started yeah. the process. Yes. So we started doing conventions so that the public could see how we were choosing our president. Love. Very yeah. cute. Very sweet. But they, they were still pretty backdoor. Yeah, they were pretty backdoor. I mean, prior they to that. They were public backdoor. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Like, I am a public backdoor. You oh, know? my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were still, yeah, prior to, so prior to the conventions, there were, like, informal caucus, caucuses of the party's congressional delegations where they would, like, meet and talk and be like, John. J yeah. John. Yeah. It's you. No, not you, John. Oh, sorry. What about the Other goat? John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that John right there. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> What's but. up, guys? <laughs> Is it my turn? Oh, no. I thought it was the goat. 
I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. But it was thought that having a public and open nominating convention would make the process more democratic, dare I say. But having a convention didn't solve all of the problems. Uh, what? I know. What? As they just became basically a formality for nominating a presidential candidate by a party that had already, like the candidate basically had already been chosen. Yeah. So like, it's like it's in like, recent history, like look at any any of our, nom- like well, recent sure. conventions, Democratic or Republic, Republican. It's always been like the person who's like, yeah, I mean, everybody like, is knows. Everybody knows. Yeah. yeah. And it's all like basically constructed to be like Hillary's team ran that convention. Yes. Like nobody else was walking out to those balloons. Like Bernie Sanders was <laughs> not they going to be walking out to like a rain of balloons. Ballooned towards her, I will say. Yeah. For sure. But this led some states to adopt a, a primary election process for choosing for choosing a presidential candidate, which is the more democratic way of doing it as opposed to a caucus. Yeah. Good. It was the first primary. That was in the 1800s. Yeah. I don't know when the first primary was. The first. Okay. Yeah. The first convention was 1831. 1831. 1831. I don't know if they did a primary before that or not. No, they didn't do one. Do you Great. know when it is? I believe it's in the late 1800s. I don't know the exact mm, year. Love. But then it came back in eight, 1968. I was going to say yeah. that. Because of yeah. what you're going to talk about later. Yeah. No, I was actually lying. I don't know what not happened in 1968. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, there was a, con- a crazy convention, a crazy Democratic oh, convention. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And because it, like Arden was saying, it, it that seemed... That was the really violent one, the right? The very violent one in yeah. Chicago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, because Hubert Humphrey was, um, <laughs> was it's upsetting that this all happened because of Hubert Humphrey was n- nominated for um, for was it vice president or president was Ooh. nominated for president I think it was president without really having done anything um, love I see a lot of me and by Hubert. the inside of <laughs> the um, by the Democratic insiders yeah by the, by the party itself yeah and so the need for a more democratic way of choosing delegates and yeah. choosing the candidates came more mainstream yeah in 68 after that yeah but it was like there was like a riot in chicago because of this convention yeah it was the most violent political convention ever get your shit together guys get your shit together but yeah but all to say like before 1968 the convention and between 1831 and 1968 the conventions were pretty much decided yeah um backdoor conversations amongst the parties um, themselves about who would the candidate be yeah and then after that we entered into this whole new fun place with the primaries determining the delegates and everything that we were yeah talking about earlier yeah i feel like let's talk about contested conventions please do this is your time oh this is my time to shine i love because i just love when there's an argument you know what i mean so a contested convention just like the from this is from pew research center it is it occurs when no candidate has amassed the majority of the delegate votes needed to win his or hers. That's their quote. Ooh. Nomination in advance of the convention. So this is when we go in and nobody has the majority to get the nomination. Yeah. So it's going to require a second ballot, a second vote. It's contested. Also, the term brokered convention comes up a lot. And that that's literally just the term for them making deals to be like, OK, great. Now that nobody has the majority, we're going to have to make I'm going to give you this. and You're going to give me this. And we're going to go to Cabo and blah, 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 blah. Now you'll give me your delegates. I love that's that's brokering. They're they're used hand Amazing. in hand. I know. I love what usually happens if there's no clear winner after the first vote, then delegates are free to vote independently when it's considered a contested convention. So you have to vote if you're a pledged delegate, you have to vote mm. the way you've pledged. Right. 
on the first ballot. So yeah. when you move to the second ballot, then you can vote for vote whoever you want. Who, for whoever you want. That opens it up in terms of the super delegate thing. Mm-hmm. Because but this hasn't happened since Ronald Reagan going up against incumbent Gerald Ford. It almost went to a second ballot. But Gerald Ford oh. squeaked out enough delegates in the first round. But that was the last time it came close. So it's never. Oh, wow. Yeah. But that's technically something that could happen. Right. And they thought might happen in the 2016 Republican yeah. convention yeah. because Ted Cruz came out of nowhere and was like suddenly popular for reasons I can't to even us. imagine. <laughs> um, so they thought that for a second that the RNC was going to be a contested convention, but it ended up not being. so the first republican contested convention happened in 1860 we all remember the year and this was abraham lincoln versus william seward it took lincoln three ballots to get the nomination i bet we feel all a little silly now looking back (laughs) then it took us three times The most ballots ever required to secure a nomination was at the 1924 Democratic National Convention. It took 103 ballots to nominate somebody named John W. Davis over 16 days. Who would stay that long? This is is like, this is the the people on day 16. Okay, we're going to do it one more time. Alabama. (laughs) Who do you choose? <laughs> 16 days. What was going on in 1924? This was like, oh, I guess it was World War One. I? I don't know. Like, why would we do this? It I have no matter. idea. That's so bizarre. Oh, I have. Oh, this is why. I put the, I put a note right underneath it. Oh, which you're would so help smart explain. you. I'm so smart. I think of things in the, in the moment. One of the leading candidates at the convention, which I don't know if this is true, but could be a reason why it was so difficult to get a nomination because one of the leading candidates was a high-ranking member of the KKK. Ah, there, there it is. There it is. Love. Wow. Let's reckon with our history. Okay. And like I said before, the last convention with this type of drama was Ronald Reagan versus Gerald Ford, which I think was 1976, give or take. And that was where Reagan was challenging incumbent Gerald Ford. He almost had to make it go to a second ballot, but it didn't. Gerald Ford squeaked it out because he was an incumbent. And then obviously Ronald Reagan went on to win after this. Yep. He had a second life. And, um, you know, the rest is trickle-down economics. Uh, okay. Um, fun fun fact. Fun fact. Because I love fun facts. Warren Harding, who, as we know, was a president at some point, was nominated on the 10th ballot at the 1920 convention. So literally he wasn't around for the first nine ballots. And then somebody popped up on the 10th ballot. was like, let's try Warren Harding. And everybody was like, okay, okay, let's do it. And then he went on to win the presidency and then died a year into his presidency because of a heart attack. Warren. (laughs) That is a wild story. I know it's, it's crazy. Also, James Garfield have had a similar situation because he was nominated on the 36th ballot and he also went on to become president. So Wow. So the moral of the story, hang Stick on. Stick it out. Stay for all 103 ballots. You never know when you might just get nominated out of pure desperation. <laughs> I love that. I love that they yeah. were like, we're getting nowhere with this Yeah, situation. all right. I guess I'm the 36th choice. We need a new nominee. 
Harding, you're it. Um, <laughs> and then most, uh, like just in general, most contested conventions in U.S. history happened in the 18th century, which is just a difficult century. We were having a difficult time. We 18th some, or 19th? I meant 19th. Right. I, I wrote 19th and I said 18th. Why? I, because I, I cannot read. read. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and think that you were thinking 1800s. I was yeah. thinking 1800s. Yes. See? Thank you. You're welcome. Why? Because I'm an intellectual. You can't tell by anything I say, but I'm <laughs> a fucking genius. Listen, you've been much more articulate this entire episode. So the most recent conventions and then the next upcoming convention. So in 2008. God, what a year. I Do know. You 2008? Do you remember? <laughs> I missed 2008. This is a simpler time. The In 2008, the convention was the Democrats held their convention in Denver. Colorado. Love me, Denver. Um, <laughs> in August, for three days in August, where John Barack Denver. Obama was chosen. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. The GOP had their convention in St. Paul, Minnesota. Minnesota. Over, Minnesota. <laughs> over Memorial Day-ish weekend, September 1st through 4th. Hi. Oh. And they nominated your boy, uh, Love of Your Life, John McCain. Rest in peace, John. And then in 2012, the Democrats held their uh, convention in Charlotte, North Carolina mm. in September, again, nominating Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. The GOP held theirs in Tampa, Florida, nominating Mitt Romney. Theirs was at the end of August. 2016, the Democrats held theirs in Philly, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Heard nominated of it. Hillary Clinton. Yep. Praise work, me. Work, work. That was in July, uh, end of July, and then mid-July, the GOP held theirs in Cleveland, Ohio, and they nominated Donald Trump, <laughs> which was, as Lizzie said, almost a contested convention due to enemy of the show, Ted Cruz, coming in hot towards the end. Enemy of the show, Ted Cruz. <laughs> not a fan. No. Not a fan of your work. Yep. You are not great for Texas. <laughs> Texas, if you're listening, which I know you are, you deserve better than Ted Cruz. I mean, is a shit stain in the underpants <laughs> of the South. So sorry, I said it. Not a fan. <laughs> call me. Put it everywhere. Blast it out. Ted Cruz, call me. No, I'll hang up. <laughs> So in 2020, the Dems will hold their convention in Milwaukee. Bless. Bless. They're paying attention because they ignored the Midwest last time in certain aspects. So uh, their convention is in July in Milwaukee. The GOP moving theirs back to August. Going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina. I don't think that's a great place for you. No. (laughs) Breathe the room. That sounds like a poor decision. Yeah. So this now I'm going to now we're going to do fun facts. And this is basically me talking to Danny. So Danny <laughs> Danny wrote a play called Convention about the 1944 convention which I, I am also in. It's very exciting. You're so good in it. How dare you say that to me right here right now? But we were in rehearsal over the weekend and you told an amazing anecdote about people getting punched. And I oh, want you yes. to explain that anecdote for our listeners cuz I still can't believe it. And for Arden who was yeah. not there. Was not at rehearsal. No, so in our play there's a moment where there is um a punch. Um, a punch. Spoilers. A punch. Pun- there's punches yeah, there's... during a speech that I'm giving. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. Do you get punched? No. <laughs> okay. I'm giving the speech. I'm giving. A, I'm giving such a good speech that people start punching each other. I am so into this. I know. As it's long hot. as you don't get punched. I don't get because punched. Because I will no, jump no. up and protect you. I know. And that's really amazing to hear. <laughs> no, no. I am so safe. <laughs> okay, great. But actually, yeah, this tradition of violence in Congress and in the like in conventions in general has been around forever. It's a part of our it's a part of our discourse in America. Um, physical violence is physical violence. This is reflective of the fact that mostly white men have been in control of politics for many years because only white men could be like, you know what, I'm just gonna punch you. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm upset. But what's so interesting is a lot of the time, and there's a book by Joanne Freeman um, that explains this in more depth, um, but there's... But basically, like a lot of it had to do with honor. And mm-hmm. it wasn't so much like, I want to <laughs> so kill you. No. It was like, I am going to, how dare you disagree with me? Do you bite your thumb at me, sir? Yeah. Me, sir? That's exactly no, what sir. it is. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's, it is. But I do bite my thumb, sir. <laughs> right. And so um, you had a lot of instances of like the one punch. Um, the one one punch jab, you know, yeah. like kind of situation. But it happened all the way back into the eight, like early 1800s um, through like especially around the Civil War, a lot of it dealing with, you know, which state as new states came into the Union, which states were slave states, which states were not slave states. Um, um, and then it just continued into conventions as well. So in 44, yeah. it was definitely around um when our play takes place and then as we talked about earlier in 68 it was a big well, that was like situation. a riot yeah. right like that yeah. that the ceremonial punch turned into a ceremonial whooping whoa <laughs> can of whoop ass <laughs> but you know what's so interesting about it for me is that it puts in perspective i think a lot of like the shaming and slandering and all the stuff that we see right now it's yeah. like it's actually it's been, there's been violence in our in our um, in our politics from the beginning. Yeah, uh, your friend Andrew Jackson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she loves right? him. She loves him so much. Ooh. But also just like he's still on sl- money. Yeah, mm. he is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> what? And he's on the twenty, right? Yeah, he's on the twenty. He's, oh. he's on a big one. It's a big one. Right. Uh, it's so people. So many people use a twenty dollar bill. Uh, but more people use a dollar, right? And more people use a penny. Yeah. And those are good guys. Yeah. Relatively. Well, Lincoln was, but yeah. But yeah, but but slandering, violence, all this stuff that we see a lot happening on the Twitter right now. Right. Um, just happened face to face. Face to face, and it happened quite a bit. It's one of um, the days when you could just like look somebody in the eye and punch them in the face. <laughs> Ceremoniously, ceremoniously, <laughs> to show your disagreement and that they've and to establish your, your honor. honor. But yeah, to plug, like I just want to like plug um, Joanne Freeman's book. Her yes, book plug. is called "The Field of Blood: Violence in Congress and the Road to Civil War." <laughs> wow, which this is like this is like the Game is of Thrones r- title. <laughs> <laughs> but she goes into it in a lot more depth than I am right now. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. So that was definitely a part of our. Our politics. That's so wild. And it still is. Yeah. Very much. And then another, like, just to touch on the 1944 Democratic National Convention, yes. which is the, 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 play, the play, which is the play. Yeah. Talk to us. I obviously know, but tell Arden why this convention was so unique. And weirdly, because, you know, in doing all this research, it doesn't come up a lot, even no. though, like, it was because of the nature of FDR and where he was in his illness, it was such an important um, convention. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the reason why it doesn't come up when, when you're looking up contested conventions or bloody conventions <laughs> or riots, riots or <laughs> well, is because um, it wasn't about the, the real conflict was over the vice presidential candidate yeah. and the vice presidential candidate wasn't, and still remains like we see on Veep, um, kind of like a ghost. It's like totally. what? Yeah, figurehead only. Right. And so um, in '44, the VP though was really important because, as you said, FDR was 
running for his fourth term, which was unprecedented. Yeah. And we were in the middle of World War II, so he was definitely going to win against Tom, uh, Dewey, Thomas Dewey, who was the Republican contender. Dewey. Dewey. Um, Dewey, remember? <laughs> oh, my God, you did no. not. Uh, oh, God, I'm so sorry. That, that was, was so fantastic. funny. Great, the Dewey decimal system. That guy. Okay. Yes, yes, I do. I do remember Dewey. But <laughs> I don't. Um, but but. FDR was definitely going to win. Yeah. But the problem was that FDR was really ill. And yeah. even though he tried to hide it from the public, in fact, like fired a photog- like fired a White House photographer who got a picture of him with a physician um, taking his blood. Um, you yeah. Know, and it like went in the papers and everything like that. Yeah. Try- they tried to cover up him being sick so much. But he was the reality was that he was he was going to die. He was dying of polio. So it, no, no. So he had polio. He was dying of congestive heart failure. That is what I said. Yeah. Is so, that a complication of polio, or were these two separate things? Two separate, two separate things. things. Yeah. That's he crazy. Was, he had polio as a kid. No, he no, had he polio. polio. No, he got polio in his um, I think his late twenties. Really? Yeah. So I in in his early political it. career, he was standing, and that's what's like. That's why people loved him so much because he, in his 20s, got polio, was bedridden, and literally taught himself to stand up at every speech, walk, like, so if you look in those videos, he's, like, being, you know, like, propped up with people. Um, But, yeah, he was, like, in sheer agony and pain every time he gave a speech. And some of those speeches were, I thought he died of polio. Wow, misconception. But, yeah, he drank a lot, smoked a lot, um, and was, like, highly stressed trying to fight World War II. So, look, can you imagine (laughs) if I was fighting World War II? I would be a wreck. I would be a wreck. I I would would smoke 18 packs a day. Oh, my gosh. I would be angry and yell at literally every person. (laughs) And he had, like, like, not only that, he got us out of the Great Depression only to have to fight a war. I just feel like he was like, guys, I can't do it all. I can't do it all by myself. Nobody helped him. Nobody helped him. Yes. So he um, was dying. So he was dying. And everybody and knew it. at this convention, knowing that he was going to win, whoever was going to be the vice president was bound to be president. Yes. So then what really the conflict became between like, what are the democratic, what, what's the democratic party about? And yeah. what do we, who do we want to secede Roosevelt, um, take over? And, you know, a lot of people in the Democratic Party wanted the incumbent vice president, who was this guy named Henry Wallace that we don't really know of anymore. No, we Henry don't. Wallace was super, super, super progressive. He reminds me a lot of Bernie without the agitation. Like mm. he was like super. Mm-hmm. Maybe an Elizabeth. No, Elizabeth Warren is like also like uh, too yeah. smart because yeah. Henry Wall. Henry Wallace. The problem with Henry Wallace is he didn't have policy like Elizabeth Warren. He yeah. was like a big dreamer, you yeah. know. And people loved him because he was a dreamer. And it was very clear that he would have taken, continued the New Deal effort and probably right. taken it into a much more, quote unquote, socialist place. So a lot of Democrats, especially those that had money and power and influence, were afraid that if he continued the legacy of FDR, that we would move closer to something like Russia and yeah. further from something like England. But what happened at the convention, what's so interesting, is basically, even though a lot of the delegates wanted Wallace, the FDR was dying. He didn't really give a crap. He just didn't want to be the, he wanted to be the center of attention. So he basically manipulated things. He, he gave the party powers at B the decision to make who would be the candidate for vice president. And um, the party bosses wanted somebody who wasn't as progressive as Wallace. And they Mm -hmm. eventually settled on Harry Truman. 
but because the delegates <laughs> of all the hens in the hen house, right? We we're like, you know who's that great? sexy beast, Harry, Harry S. Truman. Truman. Harry Truman. Sidebar: Harry Truman and Bess Truman apparently had such good sex in the White House that they broke the bed. I do love that. <laughs> I wow. love that. Good for that is some tea. And, and that is the last time anybody has had sex in the White House. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seriously, that is incredible. Um, we love that tea. So basically, the convention was this war between the Wallace supporters who were, you know supporting the incumbent vice president, supporting the progressive values of the New Deal, mm -hmm. and these party bosses who were attempting to nominate Truman. Mm -hmm. And as we talked about, you know, this was before we had primaries. So a yeah. lot of this was behind, this was all behind closed doors. Right. And basically after the first day, when it was very clear that Wallace was the favorite, the party bosses made as many deals as they possibly could and switched people's opinions over the course of this the well the, i'm sorry not the first day the second day into the third day mm -hmm. um they made as many deals as they could to make sure that truman won and then we went to a first ballot wallace wa was had you know was more close. but he yeah. wasn't on didn't have enough exactly so it had to go to a second ballot like you talked about mm -hmm. and because then everyone could vote as they wanted to you know we got truman yeah wow by a landslide by a landslide who went on to become as we know vice president and then fdr died 80-ish days into his fourth term and then that meant that truman was president for pretty much almost yeah. all four years and then went on to get reelected for a second term and so much happened during his presidency it's insane yeah and because truman wasn't like abreast of anything he was just thrown into okay yeah. so we've been developing the h-bomb you know or the atom bomb yeah you do you want to uh we're gonna drop this yeah and he you know did Dropped it. it yeah um twice twice um and thrown into ending the war thrown into so i mean relatively relative to being like completely ignorant to everything truman did a really I think, okay job being president. Yeah. But what a crazy. So for me, like the play is interesting or this convention is interesting. And the reason we we're doing this play is because it's really about the philosophies behind the Democratic Party mm -hmm. and the way politics works and the way we elected people. Yeah. Um, and where the people fit into that, which right. at the time was nowhere. The people weren't there. The people weren't they didn't involved. elect any no, of these delegates. But sometimes it feels like the people are still not involved, you know, and yeah. to, to some degree that it is all about party politics and, you know, delegates and politicians sort of making deals in order to do these things. And at the end of the day, you're like, wait a second. This isn't what I wanted. <laughs> I don't think this is what we agreed to. <laughs> I went outside and you shot the dog. I don't understand what's happening. Wait a darn second. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that's our, that's the play. Yeah, you play. must come to this play because yes. Lizzie is literally unbelievable. How dare you <laughs> like she's yes, no, if you do want to come to the play, it's, it is super amazing. Danny's written something quite special and incredible. It's running the month of June, June 7th to the 29th. 7th to the 29th at Irondale in Brooklyn. It's you a can, gorgeous theater. It's so gorgeous. It's it's like a convention hall. It's so weird. It's crazy. But you can get tickets on their website at www.irondale.org. Yes, or... If you even go to um, the production, our production company's website yeah. that's producing this, brontosaurushaircut.com. Brontosaurushaircut. <laughs> slash convention. Or just brontosaurushaircut.com. You'll you'll see yeah. how to get tickets. It's really easy. It's all there. And more information about the play is there. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's amazing. And I'm that's so conventions, guys. Yay. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us this week. We love you, obviously, so, so much. If you liked what you heard, 
heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. And you can like us. You can follow us. You can review us on iTunes. Subscribe to us. Subscribe. That's right. That's good. Do that. (laughs) And yeah, we love you so much. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.